This morning, as we are talking about short-term missions, I want to be very practical and specific on this message instead of just conceptual only. So I entitled the message, Going, Sending, and Becoming a Launching Pad. That's our vision. The missions at Crossway is not a mere department, but all of us embrace mission as the central thing, central part of what God is doing in and through us. But we need to talk about some things that has kind of confused us and maybe even drifted us away from the biblical missions. So here are some wrong reasons, at least five of them I I could think of, to go on a short-term missions trip. And some of you are impacted by this negatively, so have a bad taste in in your mouth. So it kind of became a hindrance for you. So that's another reason to have the clear view of what mission, short-term mission trip is. By the way, short-term mission trips is a recently new movement, relatively within 20 years or so. But anything that is less than two years, we consider as a short-term mission. Number one wrong reason, and I've heard this so many times, comparison. It makes me feel more appreciative of what I have and what I, where I live. Maybe I should send my children there so that they could be appreciative of what they have. And... No, that's not the right reason. Of course, we will feel the poverty-stricken uh, third world country when we do go to the East Asia, Asia and the remote area where Bo and Cindy live. Yes, there will be no Starbucks. There will be no uh, McDonald's or a Burger King. They have uh, some kind of weird-looking combination of all that brand name with a Colonel, uh, actually the face is Obama, and there's a combination of a burger and chicken. and of, of, They're trying to be Western, targeting for the young people there. But there's nothing like it. The fast food store, I mean, I went there with Bo one, one day, and Wade and Bo, and made, we made it at a guy's night out. So we ordered burger and took us 30 minutes to get our order. So it will be difficult, but that shouldn't be the main uh, reason for that. The second thing is adventure. I love exotic cultures and new experiences. So I would love to taste a new food and different things, especially now the Food Channel has these um, the travelers who are going around the uh, around the world. But this shouldn't be, this is a good attitude to have, but shouldn't be the right reason. Number three is escape. It helps me forget the problems and stress I face in everyday life here. 
We chuckle at this reason, but some of the even long-term missionaries are out there because of this reason, and they bring their own problems there. So it is important for us to face the reality of daily walk here. So if you're not fruitful, most likely, just think about it, we, we don't have a language barrier, cultural barrier. We're not fruitful spiritually, vital, spiritual vitality-wise. But what makes us to think that to go over there, suddenly we will become impactful people with cultural and language barrier? Number four is guilt. It relieves me from feeling guilty about missions at least a few years. All these I've actually encountered and heard. And in some sense, there is a, a tiny bit of a truth in every single of them, of them right? But I've saved the, the last one, which is most deadly reason, a wrong reason, is self-gratification, which turns into pride. It will say something like, it makes me so good, feel, feel so good to make a difference for the lost and for the poor and for the marginalized. Secular people, non-Christian people, go to the third world country because of this reasons. Celebrities, celebrities go to Africa and donate lots of money because of this reason. This is not Christian mission. We are to go as a people who are saved from an eternal damnation, who are still broken, who are wounded, and yet with Jesus' name, in Jesus' name we go with the good news of Christ. We bring healing, not because we are completely healed, but because the hope of Jesus Christ is within us. Notice this. All these five reasons, if I summarize it, is man-centered reasons. And no wonder, lately, there are some uh, movement that is opposing the short-term mission movement as a waste of time and waste of money. Why is that? There's a certain truth in that. Because these, these churches, well-meaning churches, need to make a, a statement that they're being a missional church and donate lots of money, a one-time deal, and there's no ongoing relationships. And that handout with the third world country is actually more damaging than helping. And the people who travel to orphanage you know, regularly to make them feel good. I need my fix, they say. That shouldn't be the biblical reasons. We are to look at the world and the missions in God-centered perspective. What does God feel about this? How do I fit into God's sovereign plan rather than, oh, I need God's mission a little bit so that I could feel more effective and, and fruitful. Turning to the scripture, we then ask directly, 
What then are the right reasons for short-term missions? There are several practical, um, pragmatic reasons, and, and Jay and Stan rightly presented those things. Really good, good reasons. You know, number one is really you get exposed. You need to get out a little bit. You know, the America is, has shielded us and uh, in a way that we're insulated too much. The third world country, we will go out there. The people are different. The world is bigger than what we really think. Not all people speak English at all. And some of them don't speak back to try to, because we're so accustomed to that. The people who don't speak English are trying to use their broken English to reply back. When you go to these countries, they look at you funny. Why can't you speak my language kind of attitude? And you become so small and lost. And part of the tension, healthy tension, is as Jay and Bo are traveling, they're going to run into those very crude, uh, obnoxious Chinese people who don't care about their not knowing what they're, what they're talking about. So, you know, you, I, I would suggest that they would at least remember how to say bathroom and how to say those things in Chinese. Going back to biblical reasons, beyond the practical, pragmatic reasons, I see at least four biblical reasons, right and good reasons for us to remember. Since our vision is everyone, everyone go, here's the first one. We ought to go in order to obey the great commission of our Lord Jesus Christ. And almost every week we've been pounding on this uh, passage. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is the last words and command, and which is called Great Commission of our Lord Jesus Christ, which meant that he gave us continuing mission for his followers to accomplish on this earth. That is precisely why he didn't take his followers with him when he ascended to heaven. Allow me to read it one more time, verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. Go, make disciples of all nations. That's the main command, that everything else is helping the process of that. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And Luke 6.46. Very simple question and poignant question that we ought to ask ourselves in the first 21st century of Christianity. It has turned into, morphed into something very different from the biblical Christianity. 
And Jesus is basically asking the followers, the crowd around him, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? By definition, followers of Jesus Christ, Christians, are the apprentices of Jesus' way and Jesus' teaching. If we say, I am a follower of Christ, we are to obey, especially the great commission that he has given us. But somehow we dodged this call. As a follower, when we think about going, um, we need to begin to think about the biblical mandate of my going is actually different from the calling to become missionary. Jay mentioned that articulated very well. Not all people are called to be missionaries, but all Christ followers ought to go actively participating in the mission of God. This is what it means to follow Christ from the very first century and even this century, even where we live, where we are now. To follow Christ, we are to obey what he commanded us to do. I I think it's uh, interesting to remember William Booth who is the founder of Salvation Army. And obviously he was known as a prophet and the father for the poor. But did you know that his holistic mission and the calling was precisely about the Great Commission as well? He says, not call, did you say? Not heard the call, I think you should say. Put your ear down to the Bible and hear him bid you go and pull sinners out of the fire of sin. Oh, that's blatant, very old language style of that. Maybe even a little offensive to a lot of people. But that is precisely what Christ calls us, every single follower of Christ, to do. Go. Make disciples of all nations. Once again, that nations, the word nations is not geopolitical nations like China, America, and Canada, Japan, Korea, but ethno linguistic peoples group. In, even in, in, in China, there are hundreds of different people groups. And we're focusing only one on which people group. Number two reason, right reason, we ought to go in order to please Christ Jesus who enlisted us for his mission. 2 Timothy 2, 
3 to 4, Paul, the apostle, is writing to his spiritual son, his protege, his mentor, young pastor by the name of Timothy. And this is the last letter that he wrote from the dungeon in, in Rome. Just a few months probably before the execution. And he writes, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. We'd often just call those people the commanding officer. Jesus is the commanding officer who called us and enlisted us in his army, in his mission. And Paul is saying, actually, Timothy, join in my suffering. Share in suffering. And you ask me, does that mean suffering is involved? Yes, definitely. But we're talking about, this compared to Jesus taking the suffering, you're talking about not knowing how to say certain words and, and that the foreign smell and culture and not having anything familiar around you. That's almost nothing. It is true for Boy and Cindy. Remember, some of you already got exposed to that. Their honest, vulnerable sharing is um, now that Wade and Helen are a different town, five hour bus drive. Or they could talk on the phone, or they could talk, just talk on Skype, and they could use a Viber. But the face to face to someone that he could really share, there is a loneliness factor. Is that suffering? Yes. But somehow the Western Christianity took the suffering out of following Christ. And yet in Philippians 3, Apostle Paul talks about knowing Christ, it being his ultimate goal of life. And then he mentions to know the power of resurrection. The, the same power, resurrecting power. We will all want that. But let's not step there, stop there, because this is an incomplete, inauthentic discipleship. He mentions in the fellowship of his suffering. To follow Christ means that we participate and join in suffering for Christ's kingdom and glory. But compared to the eternal joy and peace, and satisfaction, and fullness of glory, this is nothing. Yes, it will bring this issue forefront of your face and confront you. Do you really believe this? For the rest of your eternity, that you will spend time in fullness of God's glory, and the moment that you go through this right now, the uncomfortable feelings and a little bit of a discomfort, and maybe you are ridiculed 
and lost some money. Blessed are those who are persecuted and take the suffering in my name's sake, Jesus said. The great is the reward. John 14, 15, Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. The biblical Christianity has an inevitable aspect of love, which is obedience. The worship movement is great, and even 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 I go through Spotify and so many good, excellent music coming out, and then we are in, in thrilled about those kind of a worship gathering also too. To, to love is, doesn't mean in that sentimentality of worshiping and music surrounding us and feeling things for God. It is actually in the obedience, which outflows that joy and God's glory. I'm not negating the fact that the pure joy of worship, but I, I am emphasizing the fact that we are to act in obedience. And we, we see that in our relationship with our children. You know, when they want something, Daddy, I love you. And when they don't want to something, they might still say it, but they don't do anything. I actually did. How many times I tell, told you? I'm hearing my mom's voice. When I was growing up, I was just like them. How many times I told you? Why can't you do exactly what daddy says? Pick up the socks. I don't want to see the socks anymore. Yes, dad. Do you mean it? Yes, dad. You see, we love brothers and sisters and even unrich people groups because he first loved us. Our motivation comes from God's unconditional love for us. And in loving them, what motivates us is that his, his love multiplies in us. As we are obedient to what he commanded us. And this is the, the practical, pragmatic reasons why we ought to go. You, if you haven't really experienced God lately, you should go. Go experience what God is doing around you. And he will wake you up. And you, you, we heard this so, so many times, isn't it? So short-termers thinking that they could make a difference and they're going. And actually God worked on that and com coming back with God has done more things. I didn't do much. I couldn't do much. What can you ex really practically expect you could do in, in 10 days? people of God, brothers and sisters, I want you to see this. It's not a dutifulness that we are calling for. 
But this is a delightful joy when you love someone, you want to please that someone. When you please that someone by acting your, your love, your love multiplies. So in some sense, we're missing out if, we're not, if we don't go. Number three reason. We ought to go in order to respond to the harvest that is plentiful as laborers. Uh, Robert read this uh, scripture reading, uh, the fuller version of it. And I'm starting from Matthew 9, 36. When he saw, Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. But this is a maybe good time to mention this. Whenever I encourage uh, people, Christians and my friends you ought to go. There are unreached people out there. And one of the typical responses is, oh, we have too many unreached people in Southern California also too. Yes. But last Sunday, as John Lambert defined it clearly for us, but the missiologists called this people groups, unreached people group, as People do not, who do not have access to gospel. Less than 2% of population is Christians. Now, think about this. The people group that Boyan, Cindy, and Wade and Helen are working with is a minority group of China. The main stream, the main line group is Han people. But this group, the minority group, is the largest minority group in China, which is the equivalent of population of Australia. They are lost, not only lost, but have no access to gospel. I mentioned a few times already, they are exposed to the Rudolph and Santa Claus, but the not name of biblical Jesus. There's no access. And it goes like this. In the man's perspective, especially the savvy intellectual world of the, today's world, it will say, stop being a big brother to the everyone. Colonization of the American Christianity religion. Let them take care of their own people. That's the precisely point. There is no Christians who could go to them within their people group. And even where Boy and Cindy, if we, where they live, if we take about 10 minute walk into the village, they have not even had any kind of contacts by the foreigners. This 
is the urgency. This is the importance. If we truly believe what, what Christ had commanded us, and if we know the reality of their condition, and we have not have compassion for them, what Christ had, we are to have an aching heart. Do you remember that? Last Sunday, about $1 out of $100 sent for missions purpose. So only $1 goes to the unrich people. Less than two people out of 10 missionaries go to unrich people. Why? It's more, so much more comfortable and so much more easier, so much, so much more non-threatening in some, some sense. Our church cannot tackle 7,000 unreached people groups of the world, but we could tackle one. Even among that group, I'm deliberately trying to stay away from that people group's name for the, for the security. There are so many dialects, so they can't really hard to understand. So we are actually focusing on one dialect people of that minority group. We are to go because harvest is plentiful. And Boy and Cindy not only need encouragement, they need help. Let me make this very clear. In order for you to be a long-term missionary, of course, you need specific gifting and specific fruits, fruits that you could, be, you could be doing well over there. So I'm not calling for that. But I'm calling our entire church to actively participate in God's mission. And going this is basically visiting, encouraging, participating in what they're doing. They are not the sideline of ministry. They're extension of Crossway Church Ministries. And therefore we are to... Not, not only pray to the Lord of the harvest to send more people, more laborers, and we, to, we ought to pray that maybe some of us would be uh, moved by the Holy Spirit and equipped and trained to go partner with Boy and Cindy and Wade and Helen long term. On on the other hand, um, because our main focus group is that minority group, uh, we get to sometimes not mention Bob and Grace. Bob and Grace is in Thailand. They're actually the new territory they're working with right now is the, uh, the Laos, the people who are Myanmar's, and those are the another unreached people group as well. So because Bob is a medical doctor, uh, some of us you know, can partner with them by going and uh, by supplying and supporting and even just take a visit of what they're doing. Fourth and last reason we ought to go in order to partner with God and fellow laborers for God's kingdom in all nations. 
Did you know that God of the Almighty and Sovereign doesn't work alone? And in a very figurative language, the one writer said, God doesn't have a hand or feet. We are his feet. We are his hand. God partners with those whom he calls. 1 Corinthians 3, 9, Apostle Paul is saying, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field and God's building. In Philippians, in chapter 1, verse 3 to 5, he writes about Philippian Christians this way. I thank God, my th- I thank my God in, more, in all my in remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Philippians Christians partner with Paul's ministry in spreading the gospel. Some of them gave, some of them participated, some of them probably uh, encouraged and, and visited In the same way, we are to do the same. Just to think about for us to partner and work alongside of this God's sovereign plan being fulfilled. And God would use us and use me and and you. It's such a privilege. Lest you think that it's the, the, uh, the going is only one direction. Yes, of course, we are to go to our uh, backyards. We are, go to, we are to go to our inner cities. We are to go to the schools and different places in our neighbor as a missional people as well. But the reason why we are emphasizing once again is the imbalance of the laborers in uh, for the un- unreached people groups. There is a joy. So much joy. Let me reveal, frankly, something that I, you know, share with Bo and uh, Jay and Stan. You know, we were doing Skyping and uh, Bo is still ha- trying to hash out the English teacher pro training program in this town. So it's hard for them to nail down. The government officials are very, very cautious uh, with any, anything to, to do with foreigners. So to nail down the date was difficult. And this is what I said. But it really doesn't matter. They don't do anything. But, you know, stay and stand calm have nothing to do. It doesn't have to be the training program. So by being together with you guys and seeing how you live, how you, do, how you minister, and visiting with Wade and Helen, just experiencing people, the minority group people there, that's enough. 
that our church gets privileged to continually partner with you guys and God there. That's precisely, you know, what the joy is about. Whenever I visit, there's so much joy. I thought I would encourage Wade. I, I thought I encouraged Wade, you know, Boy and Cindy. Yes. But I am so much. It's almost like, you know, when you when you do spiritual disciplines and going on a spiritual retreat. So think about it, about five times all together, putting it together, ha- happened just mere two weeks. God is working in my heart. Do you remember this? In Second Timothy, Paul mentions this name. Most uh, Christians even don't know how to pronounce his name. His name is Onesiphorus. Paul is in Rome. Because of persecution, everybody was fearful. This is the Emperor Nero time when he went crazy and killing and uh, making Christians a spectacle as they're being eaten by a lion and set on fire. All those times were starting to happen. He was utterly alone and no one visited him. But this person by the name of Onesiphorus came and sought out for Paul and visited and ministered to him. He writes in chapter 1 verse 16 below, May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. For he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. Is there extra encouragement for us? You don't know how much encouragement and refreshment that you could bring when you visit Wade and Helen and Bo and Cindy. Just sit there, look at them, and give them warm hug. And talk about anything that is going through your mind and your heart. And Bo, especially Bo, will be thrilled. I don't want to reveal too much because the Central West people will get to hear Bo and Cindy tonight as well. My time is almost done, but I want to mention um, our guiding principle for missions. This was done in our meeting back in 2007 when we were studying the church. There were four guiding principles from the scripture emerged. We met at Corner Bakery and this four guiding principles still guides us. These are four. Number one, relationally long term. We focus on going to strategic places where we have a relationally long term commitment. I long for the day we have some kind of a connection for and not only in Japan, 
but North Korea as well. But we don't have that connection yet, so we're focusing on those three missionaries. Number two, strategically, one step at a time. We plan and take a step toward going and sending and, and becoming a launching pad. We've done that each year. This is the sixth year we're doing missions awareness month. We have sent out first missionary couple and family three years ago. We hope to do that more in the coming years. Number three, intentionally obey what we can now. This directly replies to every single one of us. Even if you have a little baby, what you can do right now is pray for them daily. What you can do now as a young couple who has a toddler actually can volunteer at local missions. What we can do now is take a short-term missions trip with Jay and Bo. I mean, Jay and Stan. What we can do now is financially support and pray for our short-termers are going. Number four, distinctively gospel-centered. We make the gospel as a central reason and way to do all holistic missions work. This is precisely why um, the reason why we did put that in is in our day and age, it's so much of mission becomes a man-centered also too. The holistic missions and working with the poor and community development almost negate the centrality of the gospel. And as if doing the good work itself is a replace the gospel, never. It's both. The salvation is holistic. We are to never to look away from the poor, but the real, the central reason should be the gospel-centered. And I am so glad Wade and Helen, as they're you know, supervising many uh, team members there, along, you know, including Boy and Cindy, their strategy is gospel-centered. Plant the church and share the gospel. So we could apply as we're going on a short-term mission. Let me conclude my message with this quote that I got at the age of eight, 19 and 20, which changed my life completely. Hear me out. At this challenge of Bill Bright Road, I didn't volunteer to become a missionary. I didn't volunteer to become a pastor. I didn't volunteer to become full-time ministry. I just was charged and challenged and just enthralled by this idea that he's presenting. I was wholeheartedly agreeing with this. I'm hoping that some of you are going to impacted by his word as well. Bill Bright writes, whether or not we're believers, we are going to have problems in this life. Believers or not, we will one day die. If I'm going to be a follower of Christ, I want all that God has for me. And I want to be all that he wants, wants me to be. 
If I'm going to suffer at all and one day die, why not suffer and die for the highest and best for the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel? This is the way to go. I have enjoyed this life beyond measure. Business and success I once knew. Worldly ambitions and possessions I once had. But they seem so hollow and vain. So pitiful compared to the exciting adventure of walking in harmony with our risen Lord. The great God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and of Peter, James, and Paul. The God and Father of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who spun more than 100 billion galaxies in space and reached down to touch little old me. What a Savior. I love him more than life. I hope that you hear the voice of the Spirit, the prompting of the Spirit, rather than just facing every little minor details of your life. And that life is all. If we're going to suffer and die anyway, why not aim to suffer and die for our Lord Jesus Christ's highest cause in the person? And may God give us abundant joy as we take a step toward that. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this service, for Stan and Jay's missions highlight on short-term missions. And thank you for your word that challenged us and reminded us why we should go. And we pray that Crossway, in spite of our smallness, that you will use us for as the light, the salty of the earth. Send us to our backyards as well as to all the way across the sea, the remote area of the earth. And we believe that your kingdom will come, your will will be done. And in the process, God, it's such a joy and privilege to be used by you. Use us, we pray. Send us. In the name of the Father. And of the Son, of the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen.